Hi everyone, and welcome to another Spotlight edition of ESG Now. I'm your host for today, Brendan Baker, giving Bentley and Mike a well-earned break. Now, in our Spotlight edition, our aim is to get you, our excellent listeners, a little peek behind the curtain, to let you know what we're really thinking and how our research team peers out of the world through their ESG-tinted glasses. And I'm rather excited about today's episode, and not your everyday, oh look, there's a special on Swiss cheese excited, but more that it's Climate Week in New York, and I'm excited to see what spins out of it this year. With the year of 2020 and COVID being what it's been, a pretty weird and unsettling year for most, we could all do with some more hope and practical solutions from governments, investors, and companies around tackling a problem just as severe as COVID and ever mounting. One of the main ways that investors are trying to understand the shape of climate risk is through something called a climate scenario analysis. So I'd like to spend the next 10 minutes or so with you to discuss what this is all about, why this term is gaining so much attention, and what it actually might be able to achieve. Climate Week is hosted by the Climate Group in conjunction with the United Nations and the City of New York and kicks off on September 21. You can expect a decent helping of announcements and commitments to climate action from businesses, investors, and governments alike, with the mission of accelerating climate action to achieve a world of no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius of global warming. Essentially, the goals of the Paris Agreement, signed by 195 countries in Paris in 2016. And it's hard to not feel the urgency of climate action. In the last year alone, Australia had its worst bushfire season in history, spreading over 46 million acres. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, in Siberia, temperatures hit 38 degrees Celsius, or over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, a sizable 30% above its usual highs. But before we start losing too much hope to despair, it's worth mentioning one group of stakeholders that is taking these risks very seriously, and that's institutional investors. And the reason for this is that these climate impacts that were previously seen simply as a common planet or environment issue or externality with minimal associated responsibility or impact to corporates and investors, are now materialising in corporate balance sheets, such as the recent European droughts, preventing ships moving up and down the Rhine, costing hundreds of millions in a few short weeks. So clearly, this is not hypothetical, or 50, 10, or 5 years from now, but as I'm recording this in the COVID haze of 2020. And with regulations mounting, like New Zealand making climate disclosure mandatory across the financial system, these are not just physical risks, but also transition risks, including pressure from regulators, shifts in markets, and even reputation. So being able to wrangle all of this complexity into a model that investors can use to evaluate their diverse climate risks would be pretty handy. And I was fortunate enough to spend some time with David Lunsford and Oliver Michan last week two of the three founding members of Carbon Delta, a Zurich-based environmental fintech and data analytics firm acquired by MSCI in September last year, who have been instrumental in moving the dial forward in the world of scenario analysis. David and Oliver met kind of by accident at an event in Zurich covered by a renowned academic on climate change. They were both there because they wanted to understand how to translate the realities of a changing climate into an understandable metric one that could both be used to show companies how much they could lose if the climate continued to worsen, and for investors to understand what sort of risks their assets were facing because of climate change. 
And it was at this conference in Zurich where they met and they started talking and realized they were both going to be at Paris to go see the negotiations on climate change, or COP21. And, and we, we just started actually going up to people in Paris and just started talking very randomly about climate VAR, totally randomly from different pension funds, just to see how they might react. <laughs> and Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. That's, that's how it was. And, and I remember uh, David was actually at the London Stock Exchange and he was, you know, putting forward the idea of climate value at risk again. And um, he met a guy very well known um, in the industry. And that guy said, yeah, the idea is good, but you're never going to, you know, make it work. It's, it's just too, too hard. And David immediately called me and he said, I found, you know, like the best determination for me to really get it going. I love this story as it involves the enthusiasm to run with a novel idea combined with the motivation from a peer to solve a very difficult problem. So you're probably asking yourself, what is this climate VAR idea that David and Oliver had that made them more come to random asset owners at COP21 in Paris and test for reactions? Well, David and Oliver's idea was to create a scenario analysis tool that converts future climate-related risks into current financial terms. To take it back to the example I raised before, this would mean being able to model what potential climate change risks may occur in the future, such as the drought in Europe, and how this could then impact a company's earnings. But knowing climate change risks will impact companies is one thing. Actually running the numbers and making sense out of the complexity is a whole other ballgame. And MSCI's climate value at risk model is a great way of understanding the challenges here, which David and Oliver help spell out. It's a scenario analysis tool. We have numerous scenarios in our system scenarios that stem from different integrated assessment models, scenarios that model different uh, pathways, specifically different temperature pathways. What climate bar effectively tries to do is to capture what that risk means. What is the, the materiality of that risk? How does a climate change risk manifest down to a company level? And there has been lots of modeling and lots of analysis done on climate change. That's not something that is that there's a lack of information or data. But what is missing is this connection to companies. And once you have a connection to companies, you can also then understand securities that are issued, try to understand the risk down to a very defined level. Okay, let's break a few things down here because David and Oliver took us into the deep end pretty quickly. We have copious amounts of scientific models and data on climate change. But what was missing was turning these risks into company-level financial impacts, down to the equity and debt. And that's what climate value at risk is all about. So you can basically place a company into a future world with your choice of conditions, which is the integrated assessment model and scenario stuff Oliver was talking about, such as the temperature that you think the world may get to. If you're an optimist, let's say two degrees. If we're slightly less optimistic, let's say three or four degrees. And assess the impacts that climate change could have on that company, broken all the way down to the company's shares and debt. Sounds pretty great. The big question I have in all of this is what can these sophisticated scenario models achieve? They clearly provide a well-needed output. But what's the overall potential outcome? Are they the silver bullet to tip the balance on action on climate change? Will we finally start to see a real shift in emissions and a downward trajectory, in turn minimizing systemic risks? Or will they purely provide a step up 
in portfolio climate risk management strategies. And to me, this comes down to use cases, applicability, and responsibility. And the use cases are clearly pretty broad. This is a tool that is applicable for many, many use cases. Thus far, we've the, the biggest use case has been large investors, uh, typically, that, that want to uh, capture and understand climate risk in their investment portfolios. They've typically, at the end, written a report which helps them to disclose some aspect of climate change risk in their portfolios. Probably some of the reasons why this has been the biggest use case is because there's a lot of regulation that is being discussed around the world, which would require this type of reporting to happen over time. Um, But that doesn't mean that, that this is the only use case and that that's the use for the future. There's many, many use cases ranging from supporting companies, helping them understand their climate risks, and even put a price tag on adapting or mitigating their uh, their climate risk exposure over time to other use cases, you know, working with governments or um, regulators to to also help them map the climate risk across, you know, parts of a country or even whole countries. So it sounds as though the applicability of scenario analysis goes beyond your portfolio institutional investor use case to companies and even regulators and governments. Investors may have finally been given a true forward-looking, sophisticated set of climate tools to dig as deep as they wish into the types of climate risks that may materialize in the future, allowing them to, say, shift their capital, engage with companies, or even vote against directors who may dispute or mismanage these risks. But if this only happens at the isolated individual investor level, these systemic risks could well likely remain in the economy. So it's this system-wide applicability of scenario analysis and climate VAR that I see as a growing glimmer of hope in this complex climate change space. And maybe it's worth remembering the scepticism that David and Oliver faced when they pioneered a climate scenario analysis tool. Because actually applying these tools and using them to drive change is probably going to require the same headstrong spirit that made Carbon Delta stare down a seemingly impossible task with relish. And that's a wrap for this episode. I wanted to give a big thanks to David and Oliver for sharing their time with us and giving us some insight into their story. Thanks for tuning in. It's been great to unpack this climate scenario story together. To echo Mike and Bentley's chant, give the old show a rate and review if you can. Let us know if there's any topics you want to hear more about. But most of all, here's to an action-packed climate week. I've got a feeling there's some light at the end of this tunnel. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.